Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. Let's pray and then I'm going to jump into the message. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can be here, that we can um, begin and end our year with hearts that are looking to you. Jesus, we're your sheep, so shepherd us as you have. Speak through me to each of our hearts, Lord, and even into my life. You be lifted up. You be glorified in uh, what's said and spoken, whether we're watching online or whether we're here in person. Minister to us this evening, Jesus, in your name. And everybody who agreed with this prayer said, Amen. So, Happy New Year. And how I wanted to start this, I want to read this scripture three times and have you guys just kind of soak it in. This is right from the beginning of Ephesians. And I wanted to, well, I kind of have this bigger than life sound when I put my mask on, don't I? Um, yeah, Billy's like, come on, brother, preach it. Um, so what I want to do is just kind of read this scripture three times. I've got a message built on this one passage But I think there's just something about us kind of soaking in it. I'm going to read it kind of slowly. I'm going to read it three times. Feel free to close your eyes open. Whatever you do, just to kind of take it in as I read it. So you ready? This is Ephesians 1, 3 through 4, or 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Two more times. See what jumps out at you. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Amen? Amen. So the three things that jumped out at me uh, were these things. Uh, These things that I hope you hear next. The first thing that jumped out at me was chose. That he chose us, right? And the second thing that that jumped out at me was when he chose us. That's kind of before the creation of the world. That mind-boggling, isn't it? It does mess with your head. And the third thing that jumped out at me was blameless in his sight. Blameless in his sight. So I just want to talk a little bit about those three things. I'm not going to give them all equal time. First is he chose us. Chosen by God. Remember, uh, did you guys play like pickup games when you were a kid uh, yeah you did and you were 
you were chosen. And did anybody get, don't, don't raise your hand, get picked last, right? And you're like, oh, the pity vote, right? Chosen. I mean, it feels good to be chosen. And, and to think that before the creation of the world, you were chosen by God. When, when, uh, when Jesus walked the earth, he was called rabbi. Remember that? Sometimes you read that in the Bible. He was called rabbi. And what's kind of fascinating is most rabbis had the students come to them. It was like the admissions process in a college. You'd go to the rabbi and he would ask you questions, right? He'd go, you know, many of the people who got to that level had memorized the whole Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and maybe a lot of the prophets. And then they'd go and they'd kind of get interviewed by the rabbi to see if they're good enough. Ray Vanderline says this, most students sought out the rabbi they wish to follow. This happened to, G uh, to Jesus on occasions, right? He had people come to him and, and seek him out. There were few exceptional rabbis who were famous for, let me use the word, choosing their own students. If a student wanted to study with a rabbi, he would ask if he might follow the rabbi. The rabbi would consider the student's potential and to, uh, potential to become like him and whether he would make the commitment necessary. It, it is likely most students were turned away. Some, of course, were invited to follow me. This indicates the rabbi believed the potential of the disciple, the Talmud, Talmudine were all the students. They had the ability and the commitment to become like him. It would be a remarkable affirmation of confidence the teacher had in the student. So here's what Ray Vanderlaan is saying. Let's say Billy's the rabbi. I'd come to him and say, I want to follow you. And then he would interview me. And if he thought I could be like him, where Billy tried to teach me drums once, he goes, how do you even play guitar, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> look at Billy, you did. Um, and, uh, you know, because I don't have the rhythm that he has, right? But Billy would meet with students and say, and pick out the ones who could be like him, right? And, and, and so this is when Jesus went to his disciples and chose them and said, come follow me, he knew like they were the ones who were going to be like the rabbi, like Jesus. Ray actually goes on and says, this is one reason probably why we see Peter trying to walk on water, right? I mean, come on. You're like, why did the guy get out of the boat? He wants to be like the rabbi. I want to be like Jesus. Jesus, my Lord, is walking on water. I, 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 Peter, the, the, the oldest, probably the leader of the disciples, I want to be like him. He chose me. He believed in me. Then I can even walk on water. He sinks, but he knows where to look. And, and even the position of these disciples who are chosen, I think, is powerful. You know, in the um, Mishnah, they have a, a saying that says, Let thy house be a meeting place for the wise, and powder thyself in the dust of their feet, and drink their words with thirstiness. Isn't that, this is the, these are the words around the Torah that have come up, like the Torah commentary. And, and I find it interesting that you have Mary, and where is she sitting? At the feet of Jesus. And Martha's complaining, and, and, 
And, and Jesus is like, no, she's chosen the best seat in the house, the best place at the dust of the feet of the rabbi. I mean, there's something beautiful about being chosen. When you are chosen by God, I believe Jesus is saying, I believe you can become like me. Isn't that powerful? I believe you can become like me. Christian, what does it really mean anyways? Little Jesus. Um, I uh, have shared this story uh, once before, but I think it's beautiful. It's a true story. It's, uh, it's a letter that appeared in a book by Dan Taylor called Letters to My Children by InterVarsity Press. And Dan was writing to his son, Matthew. And Dan said this, Dear Matthew, when I was in sixth grade, I was an all-American. I was smart, athletic, witty, handsome, incredibly nice. But things went downhill fast in junior high. But for that one year, I had everything together. He said, unfortunately, I also had Mrs. Owens as an assistant teacher. She helped Mr. Jenkins out, our regular teacher. She knew that even though I was smart, incredibly nice, there was still one or two things I had to work on. One of the things you were expected to do in grade school was learn to dance. My parents may have had some reservations about it first, but since it was square dancing, it was okay. And every time we went to work on our dancing, we did this terrible thing. The boys would line up at the door of the classroom. Then, one by one, each boy would pick a girl to be his partner. All the girls sat at their desks as they were chosen. Then left their desk to join the snot-nosed kid who had honored them with their, his favor. Believe me, the boys did not like doing this. At least I didn't. But I think about being, but think about being one of those girls. Think about waiting to get picked. Think about seeing who is going to get picked before you. Think about worrying that you'd get picked by somebody you couldn't stand or the boy with bad breath. Think about worrying whether you're going to get picked at all. Think. If you were Mary, Mary sat near the front of the classroom on the right side. She wasn't pretty. She wasn't real smart. She wasn't witty. She was nice, but that wasn't enough in those days. And Mary certainly wasn't athletic. In fact, she had had polio or something. And when she was younger, one of her arms was drawn up and she had a bad leg. And to finish it off, she was kind of heavy. Here's where a Mrs. Owens comes in. I'm sorry, Miss Owens. Miss Owens took me aside one day and said, Dan, next time we have the square dance, I want you to choose Mary. She may as well have told me to fly to Mars. It was an idea so new and inconceivable that I could barely hold it in my head. You mean to pick someone other than the best, the most popular, most pretty, when it came my turn? That seemed like breaking the law of nature. And then Mrs. Owens did a really rotten thing. She told me, it was the Christian thing to do. I knew immediately I was doomed. I was doomed because I knew she was right. It was exactly the kind of thing Jesus would have done. I was surprised, in fact, that I hadn't seen it in Sunday school flannel boards. Jesus choosing the lame girl for the yeshiva dance. It was bound to be in the Bible somewhere. I agonized. Choosing Mary would go against all coolness I had accumulated. The day came when we were to square dance again. If God really loved me, I thought, he would make me last. Then picking Mary would cause no stir. 
I will have done the right thing, and it wouldn't have cost me anything in the eyes of the other students. But you guessed it. Instead, where did I end up? Mr. Jenkins made me first in line. There I was, heart pounding. Now I knew how some of the girls must have felt. The faces of the girls were all turned towards me with smiles. I looked at Mary, and I saw she was half half turned her back to me. Her face was staring down at her desk. Mr. Jenkins said, okay, Dan, choose your partner. I remember feeling very far away. I heard my voice say, I choose Mary. Never has a reluctant virtue been so rewarded. I could still see her face undimmed in memory. She lifted her head, and on her face she reddened with pleasure and surprise and embarrassment all at the same time. It was the most genuine look of delight and even pride I had ever seen. It was pure. I had to look away because I didn't deserve it. Mary came, took my arm, as we had been instructed, and walked beside me, bad leg and all, just like a princess. Mary's now my, my age, and I've never seen her after that year. I don't know what happened to her. I don't know how her life was. But I'd like to think she had a fond memory of at least one day in sixth grade because I know I do. And he goes on and says, the good news of the gospel is that we have been chosen by God. He looks out over the whole world and he sees us. We're a lot worse off than Mary. And he says, I am crazy about that one. And I choose you. I choose Put your name in, you. Well, the next thing I see in these verses, next slide, oh, good job, is uh, before the creation of the world. I mean, this is kind of a, a powerful thing. You know, have you ever thought of this? How do you know you've been chosen? How do you know you've been chosen? I followed a pastor, and this guy had written a book, and it was really popular, sold millions of copies, right? Then he became pastor of a really large church that another guy had grown into thousands near Washington, D.C., and then he became, he's a young pastor there, an up-and-coming mover and a a shaker, and and frankly, someone who had actually gone to this church, um, moved to that town, and actually spent some time the pastor took her, took her into the family, and, and uh, she, didn't have, she was kind of homeless, and he took her in. I mean, the guy was the real deal. But if you would interview him today, and he's a public figure, he would say, by all standards, I am not a Christian. How do you know whether you're chosen or not? Did you ever think of that? I remember visiting a... Uh... So I dated a girl in high school and into college, so maybe three and a half years, And I came back to the Cleveland area years ago, and I heard that her mom had lung cancer and was in the hospital. I thought, well, I got a clergy badge. I can walk into about any room. I mean, I hadn't stayed in touch with the family at all, but I thought, you know what? I remember telling her about Jesus over and over again. Maybe it's a good chance to tell her again. So I go into the hospital and I go, hey, Karen, you know, how you doing? And she remembered me and we had a great conversation. You know, it was beautiful. She says, the, the chaplain of the hospital came and visited me. And I said, is there any hope for me? And he said, 
if you are asking that question, there's hope. I think that's true. I think if you can ask the question, is there any hope for me? There's hope for you. Tim Keller told a story about a friend of his. He said, I had a friend who was a missionary in Korea, and he was trying to win some young girls that were, um, they were, the girls were being abused and trafficked. And this guy was reaching out to these girls in Korea, these young girls. And uh, he shared the gospel with them. And they said, you know, you don't understand. God couldn't possibly accept us. We're, we've done way too many awful things. He doesn't accept us. And finally, this missionary said to them, do you know why some people come to Christ? Because God, in, in his sheer mercy, chooses them. Some of the people come to Christ because they have no merits. It's because of God's sheer love and grace. And they said, you're kidding. They said it in Korean. They were Korean girls. They said, well, how do we know then if we're chosen, if he just chooses them out of sheer love and grace? And he goes, the simplest part is this. Do you want this? They said, yes. Yes, we want it. And he said, if you want it, God must be working in your hearts. Because the Bible says you can't want it without God working in your heart. Isn't that beautiful? And the girls came to know Christ. I mean, this is this beautiful story. How do you know if God has chosen you? Do you want it? Is it is, do you want his image in your soul? Do you want to know him more? If you're listening to this and you're like, I don't even know, where am I? And Do you want it? Do you want to know him? Do you want to seek him? Do you want a relationship with him? And the last thing is blameless in his sight. Now, when you read this, and when I read this, I think my mind goes into scriptures like this. The Lord delights in those whose ways are blameless. If that is like A on a report card, I wonder how many here, if you're grading your life, get an A. Yeah. I, some people might say yes, but I think I would just have to ask them a few questions, right? I knew a guy once who told me he doesn't sin anymore, and I wanted to spit in his face and say, what are you feeling right now? But I didn't. Because um, that's sin, by the way, right? You know, and the Lord delights in those whose ways are blameless. And when I read that, that blamelessness, my mind goes to this. And I'm like, I am that. I'm not in that category. And yet I don't think this is what he's talking about, is it? I think what he's talking about is what Paul talks about in Philippians. And he goes, I don't have a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but I got one which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Now, this is what's so beautiful. When I read about this kind of righteousness or this kind of blamelessness or when I think about it, my mind always goes to Sarah. Sarah, the old lady. Sarah, the 99-year-old woman. And I always think of my grandma who lived to be 99. And I think, wouldn't it have been hilarious if she was pregnant? 
even like 78 is pretty funny, I think. And because it's absurd that an old lady would get pregnant like that. It's laughter. And you know what's absurd? Betty's blameless. Billy's blameless. Right? I'm blameless. It's almost a laughing matter. But we are by faith blameless in his sight. He looks at us and he sees blamelessness. And can I tell you there's power in that? There was a movie, uh, I think it was in 1999. Um, It was filmed in Vietnam, but it was made by an American. And it was called uh, Three Seasons. Now, it's in another language, but it's subtitled. There's some English in it. And it takes place in Vietnam. And you've got this, uh, there's three vignettes in it. But in one of the vignettes, you've got this guy who's like a taxi driver. You can kind of see it on the thing there. And what I, by a taxi driver, it's, it's like a bike. And he, and he rides people around. By the way, when I was in India, I got a rickshaw ride. You know, I gave the guy a huge tip because he was like, he was older than my dad. You know what I mean? But, but it was so much fun getting pulled around in the cart. So this guy, this is what he does for a living. He doesn't make a lot of money. But he falls for a woman who makes her money off of foreigners who come and they pay her for a night, a night of service. And one night he picks her up in his bike cab and he takes her home and he he falls for her. And he, he meets there regularly to just give her a free ride home. And then he, he, he enters a race of, of cabbie drivers, a, bicy- a cycling race. And he wins it. And he wins like 200 bucks. And he goes to the woman that he loves and he buys her for a night. And he buys her this beautiful nightgown. And she thinks, I know what he's doing. And yet, he just has her put the nightgown on, not in front of her. And has her just lay on the bed. And he watches her fall asleep. And then he leaves the room and he covers her because she's not covered. And in the morning, she wakes up with room service right there in front of her. And he continued to show her unconditional love. She says to him, you've ruined me. You've ruined me. Because you've treated me as I should have been treated. And I think this is the way it is with God. When we get his gospel... We don't want to settle for anything less. Like he ruins us from the inside out. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace that comes to the undeserving and the needy. And it comes to us. Thank you for the grace that you've shown us these last 365 days. And and our hearts and our minds look forward to, to you shaping us to you believing in us, to you making us your people, your little Christ on this earth. And for that, we say thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.